Hello, everyone. I'm Matthew Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle. Welcome to the Betting Pros Podcast brought to you by BetMGM, where you can get a risk-free bet of up to $1,000 when you use the highly original promo code BETTINGPROS with your first deposit. Here with me to talk NFL Week 10 Best Bets is Jill Gallant. Jill, did I did I get that right? You were, you were spot on, Matthew. Not Freeman, Friedman. <laughs> Okay, there we go. All right, now that we we know each other's names and we can uh, enunciate them correctly, uh, Jill is a sports betting analyst at Action Network. Uh, awesome to have him on the show. Jill, how is the season going for you? Uh, it's going well. I, I will say that touchdowns and just unders in general are trending. So from an under standpoint, yeah. doesn't lend itself that well for myself, who routinely is betting touchdown scores. So I'm starting to get a little bit of momentum lately. But the first three to four weeks, uh, the first six weeks, like it, w- they were trending like almost like a hundred touchdowns less in comparison to two years previous, right? So um, try it just made the margin for error was just slimmer. So now in the last couple of weeks, I think everybody's making adjustments. The odds are starting to see adjustments as well so it's starting to be uh positive regression as they say yes so this was going to be my my follow-up question scoring is down you are the touchdown prop guy so i'm imagining that for first touchdown scored there really hasn't been much of an impact but for any time touchdowns massive impact and you say the market has at this point seemingly adjusted for it that's right. And and where you're seeing it, too, is in the range between kind of like the sweet spot that I think a lot of betters like to look because I don't think a lot of guys like to bet on minus odd touchdown players. They like to bet on the guys that between like the plus 110 to plus 200 range. And those are hitting at like less than 30 percent this season. So comparative to the implied probability of what that odds is, it's a big shakeup. So now you're starting to see a kind of trend back towards that. But what you're seeing right now is you're still seeing some huge long shots come through like right now uh, the the leading touchdown score for the season is still like a running back three on the giants gary brightwell he cashes like a plus four thousand guy like you know what i mean back like when they played in london uh against the packers and that's kind of what you're seeing right now is the top 10 touchdown scores from a profit standpoint most of them are backups the only guy that's actually in the top 10 that is actually getting profit and is a routine starter it's actually Joe Burrow right now. He's looking at about 17 units of profit if you would just blindly bet his touchdown prop every week. All right. All right. So good stuff there. I mean, week 10. We are we are now officially in double digits and uh, over, you know, halfway through or just about halfway through the season, you know, week nine marking the halfway point of the 18-week campaign. So into week 10, uh, it feels like it's uh, it's getting easier here at this point. And, uh, you know, this morning on Thursday, I published my, uh, my projected spreads for every game with a few best bets. And, Jill, you've got some bets that you like, so we're going to run through them. And the, the first game I want to look at here is Dolphins hosting the Browns. And this number is three and a half uh, across the market. I'm looking now at the betting pros odds page, uh, three and a half at BetMGM. Again, you can get the risk-free bet of up to $1,000 with the promo code BETTINGPROS with your first deposit. I have this projected. Let me see. I, uh, I pulled up a lot of things before we started recording. One of the things I didn't pull up was the article that I published. So I need to pull that up. So I can uh, remind myself of exactly what my projection is and, and why I'm betting on the Dolphins in the first place. But I have this projected at, let me see, five points here. And I think that the, I mean, first of all, 
trends. Some people like them, some people don't. But I think one thing that is undeniable, and we saw this especially early in the year, Miami has a real home field advantage with the temperature discrepancy there. And you know, quarterback Tua Tagovailoa at home is ten and four against the spread. Uh, and that that information is actually courtesy of the Bet Labs database at Action Network, uh, a tremendous resource. I think this game, you can obviously look at the offense. Tua has been fantastic. And outside chance, he wins MVP. Probably doesn't happen, but outside chance that it happens. So you can look at the offense for the Dolphins to see, you know, why they would potentially cover here. I'm looking at the other side of the ball as well. I think the Dolphins run defense going against the Browns run offense will be one of the keys of this game. The Browns offense, it is built on their rushing attack. They funnel everything through the running game, and it's one of the best in the league. You know, number one in rush EPA, number three in rush success rate, number two in rush DVOA. The thing is, the Dolphins are actually top 10 against the run as well. So it's not like it's a great matchup for them. Defensive tackles, Christian Wilkins, Zach Seiler, both of those guys have strong PFF run defense grades. And the Browns, it looks like they might be without, again, right guard Wyatt Teller, who's dealing with a calf injury. He hasn't played since exiting week six early. So if the Browns can't run the ball with their usual success, they're going to struggle to sustain drives, score points, and most importantly, keep the explosive Dolphins offense on the sideline. So I think you put all that together for me. There's value at three and a half, even though you're going above the key number three. Obviously, you would love to get it at three, even at three and a half. I still think that there's value. Jill, I know that you are looking at this game and there's a bet that you have in mind. You like the over. Yeah, and I like the over. Uh, it could be 49 and a half, depending on the sports book right now. I think I'm seeing it at BetMGM at 49 right now. So I do like the over in this spot, mainly because while I do agree with you that the Dolphins uh, – are fairly good in between the 20s as far as stopping the run. I think the Browns should be able to counteract that, mainly because of how much they do run the ball, regardless of game script and situation, and also just because of their efficiency in doing it. They're first overall in runs of 20 or more yards. And when you have a guy like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt to be able to kind of change it up and be able to uh, give uh, defenses different looks, I think it just keeps defenses off balance in comparison to some of the offenses that they have faced. Now, the other thing, too, is... The Dolphins, even though they do rank uh, top 10 in that category, um, 11 rushing touchdowns this year, that's bottom five in the NFL. And they just let that Bears offense just kind of do like a junk offense on them and score 32 on them. Um, and although I do think Wyatt Teller right now and David Njoku may not play, uh, you know, it's kind of up in the air right now. I'm not sure if I'm willing to kind of say that the Browns run game will be neutralized just because those two guys don't play. But I do think, you know, the fact that they are second in rush yards and touchdowns this season, I think that could put them in a spot where they could get up early, maybe put up two quick touchdowns and then put have to put the Dolphins offense explosive pass offense in play where they're going to have to start throwing to guys like a Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle who've combined for, you know, over 500 receiving yards just in the last two weeks. Uh, part, and that's part of like, almost like it's not a gimmick, but at the same time, Tua could just throw it up to Tyreek and get an easy DPI and put themselves in scoring position right there. But this game I find is just a great recipe for an over because you have two decent offenses 
and overall struggling defenses. Like I know, obviously they 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 do well from a run standpoint, but they're still allowing over 25 points per game, and they each average uh, right around 24 points per game. Both of that is around the top 10 in offense. So uh, five of the Browns' eight games this season have seen scores over 50 points. I mean, they allowed 30 points from the Jets' offense, uh, and to me, that is much as an indictment on that defense uh, than anything, right? So. Um, from a 50 standpoint, 50 burger, I don't find that to be an insurmountable number. Now, once you start getting into past the key number of 50, you get into 51 and a half. Maybe it gets a little bit trickier to feel good about an over, but at a 49 and a half, I like the over in this spot. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. If I had to lean on a side uh, for the the total, I would be going over. And that does you know, kind of play into the idea of if the Dolphins are able to cover by a lot of points, score a lot of points, this one could easily go over. Now, another game that really catches my eye, and I'm 100% with you on this, the Steelers. You have them on the money line, and uh, I like it. You know, uh, I, I did a study earlier this year looking at underdogs, and, you know, historically, if you like an underdog, even uh, anywhere under seven points, you know, six and a half or, or less, uh, historically, it's been more profitable to bet them on the money line instead of the spread. And, you know, you can kind of think about all the reasons why that might make sense. You like Steelers on the money line. Talk to me about what you're seeing in this game. Yeah, you're getting the Tomlin rah-rah situation here, especially coming off the bye. I mean, it's the Steelers are probably going to be the most bet underdog of the week. I don't really think we can dispute that. Maybe Seahawks, depending on how people are feeling about Seahawks Island. Um, but I mean, Kenny Pickett is finally going to get what I would call appropriate practice time with the ones like coming off a bye, actually being able to put in a proper game plan instead of just being thrown in at halftime to replace Mitch Trubisky. And also the defense might be getting a little bit of a jolt this week from TJ Watt and actually apply some pressure on Andy Dalton. And you saw in that Ravens game on Monday, especially with the, the, the saints likely coming off a short week as well, that anytime the Ravens started to apply pressure, Andy Dalton became Andy Dalton again. And it was actually pretty alarming of how the saints could not move the ball at all. And, you know, Mike Tomlin at this point, especially with Andy Dalton, I think he's pretty familiar with Andy Dalton at this point, as far as player tendencies. And when he was with the Bengals, he was two and six straight up in eight career games that uh, I still call it Heinz field. It's Heinz field, Heinz field in my heart. I, I can't keep up with the, all the new sponsorship names, but you know, those two wins, they came back in like 2012 and 2015. He's lost three straight games in Pittsburgh. One of those wins was Ben Roethlisberger didn't even play. So, I mean, you got to think Kenny Pickett is a little bit of an upgrade than the backup at that time. Um, now, the Steelers as a home dog, ton of trends that support that. You know, they're 13 and seven straight up since 2010, 13, three and four against the spread. Um and the run game should actually see a little bit of an improvement this week. Now, this isn't meant to be an overall knock on Najee Harris, but that Liz Frank injury is really affecting his run ability. Like he's only averaging 3.3 yards per carry. And so Jalen Ward is actually going to be able to come in here. I think he's going to be able to move the ball a little bit more effectively for this offense. And also uh, from a touchdown perspective, really like Deontay Johnson to score a touchdown this week and finally break through because if no Marshawn Lattimore is there, I mean, he's got, what, 76 targets already this season, and he has yet to catch a touchdown. He's getting routinely double-digit targets every week. I think Kenny Pickett and the Steelers are going to roll in this game. Yeah, the Deontay Johnson call. I mean, I, I put him in my fantasy favorites article each week because he, I mean, he's getting so many targets. He's getting some carries. At some point, at some point, targets, routes, snaps – have to turn into yards and touchdowns at at some point it happens and now with the departure of chase claypool 
maybe he starts to see even a little more opportunities, uh, both in terms of, of target volume and, you know, maybe operating downfield a little bit more, uh, moved around the formation a little bit more. We just, we have to see, but I'm, I'm with you on Deontay Johnson and with you, I mean, really for the, the entire thesis here of this play. I mean, Mike Tomlin as an underdog, absolutely love it. Mike Tomlin at home. Perfect. You put those two together. And I mean, Tomlin, against the spread 15 three and three for his career as a home underdog like that is uh, an unfathomable type of against the spread record over uh, I mean over a decade of time so absolutely fantastic this is the type of spot where you historically do see the Steelers outperform and I hadn't even thought about the uh, the Andy Dalton connection of of uh, that that Steelers staff having familiarity with Dalton from his years uh, in in the division, and it makes sense, you know. And JJ Watt, I mean not JJ Watt, TJ Watt, yeah. If he returns, man, this you this f- line, you can see I, it move. He's one of the few defensive yeah. players that could actually move a line like that, and he floats all boats. So it's just one of those things that, like you saw in Week One, how effective he was at causing pressure. Uh, he only finished with one sack, but it, like it felt like he probably could have had ten in that game. And if he's back, I mean. Yeah, like it's just that's what it just immediately elevates the secondary. You know, Micah Fitzpatrick might get an interception in that game as a result. I, I just think that the Steelers, uh, like, there's just not really many ways that you could talk me out of it other than telling me that they have a rookie quarterback. That's really I know. it. I know, and and it's not just edge edge rusher T.J. Watt. You've also got safety Demonte Kazee, who has a chance to return off of IR this week. I have this line right now projected at uh, Steelers. 0.75 underdogs. Now, the thing is, there's room for improvement in this line. Obviously, if if Watt returns, but then you look at all of the injuries and and you mentioned Marshawn Lattimore, you know, potential he doesn't play in this game. I don't think he's going to play. No. You know, coach Dennis Allen has has said that there's really no timeline on his return through two days this week. He hasn't practiced. He's missed multiple weeks already with the abdomen injury. So you got that going for the Steelers. And then on the other side, the offensive line for the Steelers is really injured. And people kind of forget like left tackle, like Trevor Penning, their starting left tackle has been out the entire season. Left guard, Andrews Pete, exited last week with a, uh, a tricep injury. He's yet to practice this week. I don't think he's going to play. And then you've got safety, not safety center, Eric McCoy, who also exited last week with a calf injury. So you got the entire left side of that offensive line that might be out and TJ Watt returning. I mean, come come on. And, and don't forget about Ryan Ramchek on the other side as well. He hasn't been practicing. Like, again, it's just it's a it's a hospital infirmary right now. Like when you think of the offensive line and really just a lot of defensive injuries, uh, injuries across the board for the saints. So I just think that they're overmatched. We saw what happened on Monday when they were kind of playing against a defense that was rejuvenated with Roquan Smith coming in. Now I'm not going to put the Steelers defense on the level of the Ravens defense, but you just see what happens with that offense when they get pressure. And I I just don't really see how the saints are going to be able to move the ball uh, outside of maybe a couple Camaro runs. Yeah, and the thing is, if they are so injured on the offensive line, I think they're going to struggle to run the ball anyway. Because I, I think with TJ Watt there, and then you got on the interior of the defensive line, Cameron Hayward, Larry Ogunjobi, like that's a top eight defensive line. I'd say conservatively a top eight defensive line. And that's, you know, against the pass and against the run. And so, if the, I mean, if the Saints are that injured on the offensive line, I think they're going to struggle passing and running. 
So that means I very much like the Steelers here. Uh, I, I'm with you there. Uh, and, and by the way, I, I bet this at plus two and a half. Uh, it is one and a half now in the market. I still think there's value at one and a half, but uh, I did get it at two. I logged it in the Betting Pros app where you can sync up with sports books. You get free betting advice and picks. You can track different experts, track line movement, track your own bets. Uh, you get sports betting alerts. We monitor all the major sports books uh, so you can see which book is offering the best line on any bet at any given moment. So download the app today in the Apple or Google Play Store. Okay, another game I'm looking at here. It's it's very fishy of me. I I don't care. Chiefs, uh, I'm on the Chiefs here. Uh, going against the Jags, the Chiefs at home, nine and a half point favorites. I think this this number should be ten. Like within the market, it should be ten. I have it projected at eleven point five, so I'm still seeing value. Anything below the key number of ten, I very much like it in this spot and. You know, normally, I mean, there are a number of things that you could point to, but uh, in the end, Travis Kelsey, uh, I mean, going against a Jags defense that is just totally ill-equipped to face him. Uh, I highlight Travis Kelsey in my fantasy favorites piece this week, but he has either 90 or 90 yards or touchdown in every game this year, but one, he leads all tight ends and targets, red zone targets, plays at 20 plus yards. Like he's, he's Travis Kelsey. Like he's awesome. We know who he is easily leads the chiefs in receptions yards receiving touchdowns and regardless of matchup he tends to dominate the thing is he's got an incredible matchup in this game the jags are number 22 dead last in the league in defensive pass dvoa against tight ends and on top of that safety rayshon jenkins is out with the concussion so he hasn't returned to practice yet i'm kind of skeptical He's going to play this week. He's in the concussion protocol. And then there are other safeties. Andre Sisco almost never plays up in the box. So it's not as if he's going to man up Travis Kelsey. And Andrew Wingard, I mean, he's a special teamer. And then you look at the linebackers, man, those guys are exploitable, right? You've got Devin Lloyd. You've got, uh, I'm not, not going to be able to say his name, Foyaside Olakun. Uh, <laughs> both of those guys total liabilities in coverage they've been targeted 95 times they've allowed 807 yards on 78 receptions like travis kelsey even in triple coverage against these guys he's open so if the jags can't contain kelsey i don't think there's any way they're stopping limiting that chiefs offense from just absolutely going off i know the chiefs at home nine and a half is a big number it's it's you know it feels fishy I don't care. I still see value on this. Jill, I don't know if you have an opinion on this game either way. And, and if you disagree, it's totally fine. No, I was actually going to say the one edge that I don't think you mentioned here is Andy Reid over Doug Peterson. Like right now, I just <laughs> think Doug Peterson's <laughs> yes. decision-making and a lot of the things that he's been doing, especially uh, in games, like he'll get a little bit of credit here for the way that they rallied the team in the second half against the Raiders. But the first half, they did not look prepared at all. Like, And you just mentioned about how their secondary was getting gashed. Like Devontae Adams had nine catches and 150 yards and two touchdowns in the first half. Like, they didn't know what to do to stop that offense. This is not the Raiders. The Chiefs are going to be consistent front to back. And, again, a matchup nightmare like a Travis Kelsey, a guy who gets taken routinely, like, top five in every fantasy draft that you ever do, especially in PPR situations. But I think that's been the biggest thing because I feel like Doug Peterson, again, he's one of those Padawans of of the Andy Reid coaching tree. But at the same time, that guy has been dining out on the Philly special now for like five years. He is not a good coach. Like I honestly think, yes, he's a step up from urban Meyer, but at the same time, the Jags offense and this Jags defense in general, just the overall, the team just very much, 
you know, they caught teams off guard, you know, at the start of the year, once kind of teams figured them out and realized, oh, you can, we can actually make Trevor Lawrence try to pass on us and beat us and he can't do it. That's when I realized that that team was starting to go downhill. So if Travis Etienne, I think he might be the guy that might be able to keep this offense in place and be able to keep this team in the game. But uh, the Chiefs run defense has actually been a little underrated as well this year. So, uh, and and then again, it might also not even matter because the Chiefs might go up 21 nothing, and they might just abandon the run altogether. Yeah, I feel like the the hope that the Jags have is Etienne, you mentioned, who's been fantastic, uh, especially recently, ever since they traded James Robinson, a uh, full-blown three-down workhorse. It's uh, it's great to see him able to produce coming back from the non-existent season he had last year because of injury. Uh, all right, one game that we are both looking at here, you have the Raiders hosting the Colts. Uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, a, a lot, a lot to talk about with this game. But by, by the way, I, I got to do the plug. Speaking of the Raiders, we're giving away a free signed Josh Jacobs Raiders jersey from Pristine Auction. If you want a chance to win it, subscribe to the Betting Pros YouTube channel right now. Comment below on the video, and we are going to announce a winner on the channel in a future episode. So turn on those notifications. Jill Colts on the road in Las Vegas. I mean, talk talk to me about what you're seeing in this game. I mean, all you got to do is just watch a Jeff Saturday press conference and you could feel pretty good about a lot, a lot of angles that you want to look at. But for me, the biggest angle for me is the Colts offense. I'm going to be taking under 41 and a half. Now, we've been joking about this on the Action Network uh, podcast about how um, I'm not going to pronounce Sam Ellinger. I'm going to be calling him Sam Ellinger until he wins a game in the NFL. He doesn't get proper pronunciation until he wins a game in the NFL because he's got 304 passing yards and two starts. Like I get the Matt Ryan part about the sprained shoulder and we got to replace him here, but he just ain't it. And I know that you could take it a little bit for a grain of salt of going on the road against the Patriots and a built Belichick defense. So you almost want to say, okay, it can't be that bad next week. But I mean, 0 for 14 on third down, like, you can't erase that from my memory of what this offense does. And then of course, if you just look at this offense as a whole, like outside of that miraculous comeback versus the Jaguars, they've averaged 10.8 points per game. Like they just offensively, they're nowhere. And Frank Reich was supposed to be this offensive guru to be able to do it. And now they're just, they're maybe, I don't even know if they figured out who's going to be calling plays on Sunday at this point. I mean, I think they've announced it at this point, but tell me if you if you have to Google his name, because I guarantee you probably do. You don't know it right off the top of your head. Now, what I was going to say, though, is one of the positive things, speaking of Josh Jacobs in this jersey giveaway, one of the positive things the Colts have been able to do is stop the run. Uh, now, they've only allowed 160 rush yards in the last two games against two fairly effective run offenses in both the, uh, you know, the the commanders, you know, above average, but also the Patriots, that's that's their bread and butter, and was able to hold them to less than 100 yards. So that's fairly impressive to do that. But, like, even when they faced Derrick Henry in that last game when they lost 19 to 10, like, he did rush for 130 yards, but he had to get 30 carries to do it. Like, of course, like that's a Derrick Henry special, but not every running back is going to be afforded 30 carries and opportunities to get to that kind of line. Now, what that means then is that's going to make Derek Carr have to pass more. And I don't know if I'm going to be trusting that anytime soon, just because it's been pretty dreadful for me when I'm watching this. Like, obviously, we saw the Devontae Adams and the connection there, but is the pass offense has just been really struggling to be consistent. Like he has 11 passing touchdowns this year, Derek Carr, but only three have been in the second half. Like they start off strong and then they just kind of phase out. I mean, you even Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, both of those guys just got put on IR today. So there's two less weapons for the Raiders now. Um, and Gilmore, uh, been one of the higher graded, uh, 
cornerbacks this year, according to PFF. You know, he's going to match up with Devontae Adams. I think he should be able to at least slow him down. I don't know if you can really slow down Devontae Adams, but maybe just a little bit to make him work for it. But the Colts defense, one of the things that they've really done well as well, and again, I don't want to give too much credit to the Colts, but just let's just hear me out on this one. They've excelled in the second half. Like one of the things that they've been really effective at doing is making halftime adjustments because they only allow 7.3 points per game in the second half, and that's fourth in the NFL. So I think if Indy can hang around just a little bit, just a little bit, don't let it get too out of control in the first half, kind of maintain these explosive plays, I think this game is going to go under comfortably. And I think, uh, you know, I still think the Raiders are probably going to win very handily. I just think if you're going to be looking at unders in this game, also consider unders for uh, Colts team totals as well. Mm-hmm. So this game reminds me, I, I, I agree with everything you said. If I were betting on the total, I would be taking under. The thing is, I'm also on the Raiders uh, and this spot minus five. So you kind of have to like thread a little bit of a needle here. Like if you are betting on the favorite, but you also want the under to cash, you know, you have less leeway for that to happen here. But uh, this just feels like uh, one of those spots where it really could happen. And it, it makes me think of the um, the Kendall Hinton game that we had in the COVID. <laughs> the Broncos Saints? Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. In the, in the COVID season where you just have a team in total disarray and you look on one side and you're like, okay, there's no way, regardless of how high this number gets, there's no way I can't not bet the Saints. Like they are going to cover. And at the same time, there's no way I can't not bet the under in this game because of the situation they have a quarterback. That's a little bit like the dynamic. It's a little bit of what this game feels like. For the Colts, you have interim head coach Jeff Saturday. I mean, real Ted Lasso vibes coming from that guy. He's never coached an NFL or college game, never been on an NFL or college staff. Um, he wasn't even a winning high school football coach. <laughs> I was going to bring that up. Okay, okay, thank you for bringing that up. Okay, good. <laughs> Absolutely amazing, right? Uh, interim offensive coordinator, Parks Frazier, who I definitely never heard of, and that sounds like a, a totally made-up name, Parks Frazier. He's never coordinated an offense, never called plays at any level. Uh, and then you have third-string uh, turn starting quarterback, Sam Ellinger. Ellinger, if you want, that's fine with me. Uh Six-round draft pedigree, just two starts, five uh, adjusted yards per attempt for his NFL career. I mean, they are going to be so bad on offense. And part of what will make them so bad is that I think they will be extremely conservative on offense. Like, Jeff Saturday has already said that he's going to be fine settling for kicks, settling for field goals, and settling for field position. Right. I mean, you know, he, he was asked about, you know, rolling, rolling the dice on fourth down uh, as often as Frank Reich did. And he said, and I'm quoting, I'm an O lineman, bro. I work awfully hard to get points. I'm going to take points. It's a hard living in there, man. <laughs> this is great. That, that, that guy, that guy is now an NFL head coach. Uh, so they're going to be extremely suboptimal on offense. And I think that means running the ball quite a bit. Uh, and so, you know, I think for me, part of this is looking at the Raiders run defense against the Colts run offense. Obviously Jonathan Taylor is great, but he's dealing with an injury and man, the Colts, they, they might want to run the ball. They have been terrible at running the ball this year because of their offensive line. I mean, literally last, uh, like dead last or second to last in every key rushing efficiency metric. And at worst, the Raiders are average against the run.
you know, but they've actually been number five in run EPA. Like they've been pretty good against the run. And so if you have one team who's stupidly wanting to run the ball and can't do it all that well, going against a team that's actually pretty good in run defense, uh, I'm I'm liking that quite a bit. And I'm just going to say, if the Raiders cannot shut down this offense and they cannot cover the spread, Josh McDaniels needs to be fired immediately. Like this, and and it's a it's an indictment on, on all NFL head coaches. Like, what do you do here? Like, if you can't beat some guy who's never coached before at this level, coming in off the street in the middle of the season with an offensive coordinator who's never called plays before and a quarterback who might not deserve to be in the league, what are you doing here? You're not even a touchdown favorite and you're at home. So the Raiders better cover this number. It's crazy that you said like, cause I don't really use motivation. Like as, as a, like, this is the NFL, like everybody is motivated. Everybody's trying to get paid, but one of the last tweets that Jeff Saturday sent as a civilian before he became a head coach was that this Raiders team is awful. So a little <laughs> bit of Bolton board material. Um, and uh, also, um, you know, we saw a couple of fake Schefters kind of tweet out some like a fake news. And one of them was like that Josh McDaniels was fired. I don't think that that's far of a stretch if they lose this game. Like if they lose this game to like basically a Sam Ellinger, you know, with a, you know, a makeshift coaching staff, uh, I don't really know what you can say about this Raiders team that you would want to proceed with him going forward. All right. All right. One more game here, Jill, that we should talk about. You and I, we're, we're both Cowboys fans, uh, you know, to this point <laughs> in our lives, maybe tragically Cowboys fans, although, you know, Hey, the nineties, the nineties were good. Uh, it, you know, it hasn't been so good recently, although this year, this year has been pretty good. And now we've got this game and I got to say at the beginning of the year, this was one that I would say every Cowboys fan had circled on the calendar. It's like, ah, oh, got to go to green Bay, got to play the Packers, Aaron Rodgers at home. And in the off season and the look ahead market, this number was between four, four and a half favoring the Packers. And then now we've got this line around five favoring the Cowboys. So massive line movement coinciding with the fact that the Cowboys, that defense is legit. And man, that, uh, that Packers offense has looked really bad and they've got injuries, significant injuries on both sides of the ball that they're dealing with. Isn't it crazy? Isn't it crazy though, Matt, like as a Cowboys fan to say that out loud, that our defense is legit. That is something that has never been, a case for us, you know, we've had like DeMarcus Ware and, you know, you've had some decent defensive players over the years, but it was just one guy. And not to say that Micah Parsons isn't just one guy, but that collective unit is like, as a result, he's floating all boats and kind of elevating that unit. So, but that being said, you're right. At the beginning of the season, part of the reason why we circled this matchup is because a lot of us already had it circled as a loss because going into Lambeau, it's just, it's near impossible to kind of win in that scenario. And Aaron Rodgers has owned us in his career. So at that point, you kind of think, okay, well, you know, Cowboys, you know, hopefully we're, you know, above 500. We'll take that as an L and we'll close out the season on some divisional wins and hopefully uh, make the playoffs. Now we're kind of in a position where we can get to pretty close to the top of the NFC with a win today. This is pretty, or with that game. And that's pretty much going to be the end of the Packers season as we know it, if they lose this game, which is why when I was talking with you off air, asking, am I crazy 
to think that Packers money line might be a worthy bet here because just, again, I hate to do the motivation thing, I hate, but it just seems like such a letdown spot for the Cowboys, especially coming off by, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people are going to talk about the the edge of Matt LaFleur over Mike McCarthy. You know, a lot of people saying like, oh, you know, Mike McCarthy's going to go back and be able to stick it to him. And I was just like, slow down, like slow down here. Like, you know, so I, I, I think that's what my thing here is that, Looking at this at a spread of plus five, historically, this is the biggest spread that Aaron Rodgers has ever had as a home dog. Uh, and historically, it has covered very well in this spot. And even against Buffalo, I was a little encouraged with the fact that, you know, they still gave over 20 carries to Aaron Jones. He still had like about 120 yards. I think they're going to be able to still run the ball on this defense, even as formidable as the Cowboys have looked. So I'm not saying to take Cowboys money line. I'm just saying that I don't think it's crazy that people are considering it. Do you feel that way as a fellow pragmatic Cowboys fan? Thinking about the the Packers on the money mm-hmm. line. So, yeah, mm-hmm. man, I got to say, because, yeah, normally for me, before the season, like it was an auto bet, Aaron Rodgers at home, cover machine. This just feels like such a different situation. And I will say, like, the the skeptic in me just cannot imagine Mike McCarthy going into Lambeau Field and putting the final nail in the coffin that that is undoubtedly the Packers season, right? Like, I just, I, I can't fathom it. Yet at the same time, like, I have this projected exactly at five. You know, that's where the number is. And I look at this Packers team, and man, they are so injured. You know, David Bakhtiari, he's, even when he's out there, he's not himself. You know, Devondre Campbell, linebacker, like their best, I'm their best pass rusher, and Rayshon Gary just went out for the year with an ACL injury. Uh, yeah, and I mean Jair Alexander, like hasn't looked as sharp, you know, for example, as maybe as he was when he got that contract extension. So again, they're struggling in a lot of different places. Uh, I mean, Alan Lazard is back from an injury standpoint, and consistently even from a fantasy perspective and a touchdown perspective but very consistent in this offense when he plays but once you get past him like can you trust Romeo Dobbs to make a play can you trust Christian Watson to make a play is Amari Rogers ready like you know none of these players are in the realm of what Devontae Adams was bringing from a wide receiver standpoint uh, to give them that edge so it's difficult to envision how this iteration of a Packers team could beat this version of the Cowboys But again, because we are these lifelong fans, we've seen constant disappointments are being put in a position where we could actually overcome this dragon known as Ayahuasca Rogers. And I just honestly, man, I just, I'm probably not going to bet it. I'm just being real here. But at the same time, the the degenerate in me wants to take Packers money line just as almost like an emotional hedge for my heart. Yeah, the, the emotional hedge, I totally understand. I mean, I... On Monday, I bet Dallas at minus four and a half, kind of in anticipation of trying to get ahead of line movement and, you know, imagining that the Packers, as banged up as they are, they will have significant guys who are not playing in this game. You know, Romeo Dobbs, the ankle injury, uh, or is it, let me see here, uh, is it knee injury, ankle injury? And of course, Aaron Jones dealing with an ankle injury. I mean, he's, it seems very likely to play, but still, I don't think he's going to be close to 100%. Uh, Eric Stokes, cornerback, he looks like he's going to be out dealing with an ankle and a knee injury. So, 
who, I mean, if I'm a normal person, I'm probably not betting this, but you know, obviously we all know I'm not normal. I am on the Cowboys on this side. It has to do with the projection and the injuries, not the fact that I'm a, a Dallas uh, Cowboys fan. If anything, I would be betting against the Cowboys because I'm a Cowboys fan. But uh, I, I think, I think Cowboys are the side here, but at five, I, I think it, it's about right. Um, man, we will see. We'll see. Uh, hopefully, a good game of football. And by that, I mean Cowboys winning on the road by 21. Uh, all right, Jill, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, tell all the people about everything you got going on at the Action Network. Awesome. Okay, so every week on Sundays as part of the Action Network's Power Hour, we have Convince Me starting at 11 a.m. Eastern. And right after it, we've got my show, The Touchdown Show, where I give out my best touchdown bets of the week for the Sunday games. Of course, I give out touchdown picks for every primetime game. You can find those on the Action Network YouTube channel, or you can find them on my Twitter account at GDog5000. That is G-D-A-W-G-5000. And then, of course, I have a weekly props article I like to do on Friday. I'm on Action Network's Best Bets and Recap Podcasts every week. Those are on Fridays and Sundays. They keep me busy, but at the same time, it's the best job in the world. Yeah, and I think you, uh, you do some shows with Nick Giffen, right? That's right. Yeah, Nick Giffen is my co-host with the Touchdown Show. He also has a show, uh, a NASCAR show uh, called Stack and Denny's, uh, which he actually uses uh, to be able to uh, bet NASCAR. He's an awesome NASCAR handicapper. But but the way he is with his projections, he also does a thing called the Luck Rankings, which shows kind of like the way that NFL outcomes should have been as opposed to what they actually were and way, the way that they were going. They've been very effective from an ATS standpoint for the way that people are betting. So yeah, follow Dr. Nick Giffen as well at Rotodoc. Yeah, Nick Nick is great. Uh, I used to do a show with him uh, back in the old days at Rotoviz. So uh, awesome stuff. Glad he's uh, he's doing well at action and you guys are getting to uh, cut it up together on a, on a show. So awesome stuff. Obviously, give Jill a follow. I'm on Twitter at Matt at the Oracle. Uh, for all my work, check out Benny Pros and Fantasy Pros, best bets, player props, fantasy favorites, player projections, rankings, and more. And if you like the show, please rate and review on your favorite podcast app. And that is going to do it for the Week 10 Best Bets edition of the Benny Pros Pod. Thanks for tuning in. Good luck and see you next episode.